reborn out of disaster, four survivors rose again to form a legion of the world's strangest heroes. Da-da-da-doom Patrol! Scott Coles, and with me as always is Murray Fox, and this week we are looking at Grant Morrison's version of the team, Doom Patrol number 32 from sometime in the 90s. May 90s. <laughs> May, Remember, May 1990. May 90, so probably, you know, April or March. Yeah, totally. 1990, wow. <laughs> that was what, 10 years ago? Uh, 20? <laughs> <laughs> that's that joke that's been going around on the Facebooks there that I still think 1991 was 10 years ago totally everything is 10 years ago seems like it yeah well you know and isn't, is that, isn't that how Marvel time still works totally everything was 10, 10 years? years ago that's right it's just a sliding scale that's right the Fantastic Four just went to the moon or whatever 10 years ago 10 years ago <laughs> They were beaten by everybody else in the world, but... <laughs> Even the Chinese. That's right. No worries. No they worries. They couldn't get the shielding right. <laughs> all those advancements and all that time, and Reed Richards, the smartest man in the world, can't get the shielding right. That's right. Nobody else got Cosmic Ray, but... Unless he pulled a chief. Oh, that's right. He's totally yeah, the chief. Oh, well, we haven't gotten there yet, so we should probably <laughs> off that. But, uh, hmm. Those of you who know, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Absolutely. All right, so we got another awesome Bisley cover. Right on. Cliff in his new black robot body. The giant cannon. It's got engines <laughs> off the side, blowers, like a targeting thing and the little wheel holding it up. He's actually bolted to the ground via shackles <laughs> so he doesn't blow back from the force of it. And there's a big boom. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, you know, normally I look at the covers and I'm like close up to them and I don't... His covers, it's kind of cool when you're back a little further from them. They have a whole different look too, like just kind of taking it all in at once. It's It's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's the man knows what he's doing. Totally. Regardless totally. of what anybody else might say, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a cool cover. I like it. I'd forgotten that he went all he went all black metal in this uh, at the end of last issue, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. still wearing that body, the new body that Will Magnus made for him. <laughs> That's gonna work out real well. <laughs> I, I would imagine it's it's the look to come. Like, uh, I think it will last for many many years for uh, my greatest adventure, the current series. Totally, <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> we shall see. So we open with uh, Willoughby Kipling, the sort of Constantine wannabe, Constantine esque, <laughs> drunken uh, sorcerer. Of the Knights Templar. And he's uh, sort of explaining parts of the cult of the unwritten book. 
It has a numerous subdivisions. One of them is the Pale Police. <laughs> so these guys, apparently, they have these ceremonial helmets, and they, they study the thumbprint of their intended victim. They meditate on it for seven days, and then they ritually draw the print on their helmets from memory. <laughs> Very cool. It's, the helmet's used once and then destroyed with the body of the victim, and they believe that it traps the, the victim's soul in the maze of his own thumbprint. So these guys are uh, odd-looking, to say the least. They've got the, the sort of the blank face helmets with the thumbprint on them. And then they appear to mostly be made up of, I'm not sure, it looks, it looks almost like bandages, but you can see right through them. <laughs> That's kind of a big, cool visual, though. Yeah, they have a big grinning mouth on their chest, hands for shoulder pads, a, a belt of, of severed heads, <laughs> and a fuzzy gun. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on here, but uh, anyway, so thereafter, will be Kipling is the long and short of it. Totally. That thumbprint is his thumbprint. Or at least the artist's rendition thereof. So uh, we left the Doom Patrol. They had just confronted um, the book, I guess, is what they're calling him. The guy with all the tattoos all over him. Right. They tell him, tell him to calm down. They're on his side. He's like, I'm Willoughby Kipling, and he's the Doom Patrol. Mr. Steel, Crazy Jane, and... And Rebus is like, Rebus. <laughs> and Rebus. Ah, uh, yes. And he's, of course, uh, he's, he's suspicious. He's like, how do I know you're not with the cult? Because like, if we were, we'd have bloody filleted you by now. <laughs> and because they're attacking us right now. Dun, dun, dun. Right. He has something called Hiroshima shadows. Flitting through the night, mooding in Japanese. <laughs> so they look, basically, they just look like uh, white silhouettes with uh, black, sort of, uh, looks like, like spray paint effect, just to delineate them from the background. Right, right, right. And uh, so they're attacking, so the Doom Patrol goes into action. Cliff's uh, checking out his new weapon systems. He puts his hand up, and a uh, little gun comes up the side. He's like, cool. <laughs> he's like, he zaps him. So he's like, all right. And he's going to go into action. Jane turns into sort of a diamond form. And Rebus, uh, of course, releases the negative energy being. Okay. Even while Kipling's in the background going, yeah, that's the spirit once more into the breach. <laughs> and staying well away of any combat whatsoever. Exactly. Kipling is very intelligent. He is also a very huge coward. <laughs> Possibly because he's very intelligent. I'm not sure. <laughs> like there's nothing like a good fight to get things off to a flying start he's got a bottle of whiskey in his hand <laughs> excellent so the Doom Patrol starts uh, taking apart the Hiroshima shadows in their own manner and Kipling is they're very good actually <laughs> are you convinced yet or are you planning on being a complete pain in the neck that's the way to do it, though. Like, sit back with a bottle of whiskey and just yep. kind of comment as the uh, <laughs> as the action goes on around you. Yeah, see, that, and that's one of the funny things about, uh, about Morrison's Doom Patrol is 
you know, they go into action and they do their superhero stuff, but that's not really the focus of his story. Yeah. Like, all this stuff, they're, they're defeating the enemy in the background while Willoughby Kipling talks to the book. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where are you staying? It's a hotel back there, but they're full, it's full of them. He's like, oh, let's go. We should go there. It's the best place to sort out this whole sort of business. The Doom Patrol should be finishing by now. And the next panel is him, them in the foreground looking back, and there's the Doom Patrol, you know, emerging from the smoke <laughs> and the rubble. <laughs> Not looking impressed at all. And he's like, bravo, calls for a drink, I'd say. Chin chin. <laughs> so they go back to the hotel, and I guess they have the book guy stripped naked so that Kipling can read him. The word made flesh. <laughs> how about, how about? He's chaperoned, so it's okay. <laughs> That's right. If there's a group, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing it with someone else as an audience, it's, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> it's not legal. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so we find out that the cult of the unwritten book is basically looking to bring about the end of days. He wants to, the, the, uh, apparently the word made flesh here contains the, oh, hello, it's into the door. (laughs) But not really, that's just my cell phone. I apologize. (laughs) Should have turned the ringer way down, but I forgot to because, uh, I'm a dunderhead. That's totally all right. I would do that. handed ninny muggins, as they say. (laughs) Okay, Part two. Uh, yeah, so apparently the word made flesh contains the, the secret name of the anti-god, the unmaker, the geek creator. And they want to read it and thus release the anti-god from wherever it is, unbeing. And Cliff's why would they do that? It's crazy. And Reese is like, I don't know, perhaps they believe physical matter and uh, physical manifestation to be corrupt. Like that, and I guess he's going to go on to explain, but Jane's like, something's coming. There's something coming up the street. And they get away from the window, and there's a... It looks like an, uh, like, a, like a heart, like an actual organ heart. Lovely. Stilts. <laughs> and it's got stitching across it. It's called the Shroud on Stilts, apparently. It's one of the minor grotesques. <laughs> Because, as I said, this is one of the things that I love about Morrison is all the little crazy little details that he throws into everything he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you'll, they'll never speak of that again, but <laughs> it's very, it's you know, it's, it's unsettling and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like watching a Miyazaki film. There's all these little <laughs> things in it, right? Little things to catch your interest and then... Crazy, yeah. On you go. All over the place. And it's neat, so, like, he's uh, got to be super well-read, like, to have all these oh, little yeah. bits and pieces that just keep popping up into his work. You can call Morrison a lot of things. Dumb is not one of them. No. Sure. <laughs> Ill-educated, no. No. So, uh, before, um, the previous issue, he was soaking a phone book in holy pop. <laughs> uh, and Cliff's like, holy what? It's holy pop. Seven up that's been blessed by a defrocked priest. <laughs> I've had these telephone directories steeping in the substance we got here. <laughs> I'm not sure that seven up would be the holiest of soda pop, but mm-hmm, totally. Hmm. 
So that's a bubble then, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holy Pop erases all the names in the directory except for the name of the person bearing the wound. The wound, of course, is the 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 opening through which the cult of the unwritten book accesses the world, I guess. And apparently the name of the book is Cuervo, Emilio Cuervo. <laughs> as opposed to Jose Cuervo. That's right. That's a totally different person. Yeah. The, the less successful of the two, apparently, <laughs> is Emilio. And so we cut to him, and he's got a, that big gash running down his hand. That's got light shining through it. It's opening up. He's like, what's happening to me? And then the uh, pale policeman appears, the thumbprint face guy, and he's like, gap 9 HP? Because the musical force are the guys who talk only in anagrams. <laughs> Lovely. And if I were a smarter man, I would have done some research because I would imagine somewhere on the internet there is someone who's taken the time to decipher all of the anagram words that uh, the, the pale police say. <laughs> oh. I, a tuck me tray. He's like, no, no. He runs away. And the pale policeman says, Roomtown hero. Uh, I think that's nowhere to run. Ah, see. Ah. I'm not bad at anagrams, really, but... Uh, and whore none tour. Also, nowhere to run. <laughs> I'm not sure what the other one So we cut back to the hotel. Uh, Kipling's drinking, like he does. Uh, Cliff says we should split up. He's like, Kipling, what are you doing? He's like, what does it look like? I plan to get absolutely bloody rat holes. <laughs> the only sane way to fight the cult. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's finished that bottle of whiskey and now he's upset. Cliff says he can speak a little Spanish, so he's probably the best one to go after Cuervo. Uh, and Kipling says that you'll probably find him in the cathedral, Sagrada Familia. They're great. Now, what about this wound? It's, he says, it's the gateway into the headquarters to cult. Uh, it keeps getting bigger until the affected person is all wound. Cult agents travel through the wound into this world. As for the cult HQ itself, they inhabit the ghost of a German town called Nernheim, which was destroyed ages ago. Nernheim? Nernheim. <laughs> Nernheim. That's a totally different place. <laughs> Alrighty. So there you again. I mean, that's, it's so bizarre, but it's it's just neat. Yeah. So uh, you don't know where Nurnheim is because it, it's the ghost of a dead town. It, it disguises itself, disguises itself, and moves around. Sometimes it's a, it's in a photograph or a drawing in a comic. <laughs> the wound is the only way in. That's why no one's ever been able to destroy the town. He says, "Let's just hope it doesn't come to actually having to go into Nurnheim." Bloody dreadful place by all accounts. We're lucky we can just seal up the wound and go home. And uh, the word made flesh says, funny how no one's asking what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, Kipling's like, that's because we're all thoroughly sick of your constantly whining voice. You'll stay here with Crazy Jane. Everybody happy? And there's a shot of the rest of the group and they're all sort of frowning and not looking happy at all. 
He's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so we uh, cut to the Sagrada Familia. It's a, <clears throat> excuse me, Basilica in, in Spain. It's a large Roman Catholic church. Uh-oh. Built in 1880, started in 1882 until, and in 1883, Anthony Gowdy got involved. And he, uh, well, he had some uh, very strange ideas about design, and uh, it's uh, very, it's, it's one of the most unique looking churches in the world. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it, it's actually, it's a real place, and it's, uh, it's got spires that kind of look like they're covered in honeycomb and all sorts of different. <laughs> uh, it's not a Wikipedia. You, it's there. Go check totally. it out. So what we have is actually a, a decent uh, representation by Richard Case of the Sagrada Familia uh, in Barcelona, and he's running through the streets, and there's uh, lots of gibbering faces, violently agreeing with one another, or bodiless mouths, not faces. So this is just basically another sort of montage of the strange things that are happening due to the the cult's influence. Whispering Jack haunted the houses of unmarried women, suggesting indecent ingredients for unusual recipes. (laughs) The weeping blades turned up late and began to cover the walls of La Pedrera with strange slogans. And poor old Emilio didn't know what to do. Now, by, by now, there's light just bursting out of him. He's sort of on his knees in supplication before the statue of Christ inside Sagrada Familia. We cut to Rebus and Kipling. And uh, they're, they're busting into a liquor store. <laughs> well, a pharmacy, I guess. In Spain, I guess you can get booze at the pharmacy or corner store or whatever. Excellent. So, I don't understand this. You said you needed postcards for some ritual or... I'm a, I'm a notorious and compulsive liar. I just wanted some booze. I simply refuse to bear any more of this hideousness without some booze. Where's your sense of humor? And Rita says, we're working on reconstructing it. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, yeah. He, Rebus asks Kipling about being in the Order of the Knights Templar. He's like, you don't look like one. <laughs> well, I've been a little down on my luck since the business with the crown of thorns and the men from nowhere. N O W H E R E. Uh huh. Which is an acronym that has become on vogue again these days in the New 52. Totally. They're everywhere. Yeah. wonder if they're similar in scope or, or different. It's hard to say. I'm going to guess totally different. <laughs> yeah. And the business with the crown of thorns is, of course, never mentioned again. <laughs> we never find out what it is, what it was about. It's just one of those strange mystical happenings that were just, just helps uh, build the world a little bit. That's right. Atmosphere. Kipling is uh, berating Rebus. He says, you guys think you're so weird, don't you? <laughs> you don't know half of it. You ponce around getting all the glory while people like me have to deal with the real strangeness. <laughs> the small things. It says like the end of the universe. 
Exactly. <laughs> Don't call us, we'll call you. You gotta love a jealous little... Uh... <laughs> so he's got his postcards and he's ready to use them to fight off whatever it is that's going on. <laughs> and then they're accosted by the pale policeman with his uh, thumbprint face. And he says, Pots! Which I assume is stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. TV mood, a potent totem. And I guess something like, do not move... Or do not attempt to move. I'm going to guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Next panel. Stop. Do not attempt to move, Kipling says. <laughs> there you go. You're totally ahead of the drunk guy. What? What he said. It's an anagram of, spot! Oh, and he's got his gun out. <laughs> so now Kipling is worried. We cut to uh, the hotel room where Jane and the word are hanging out. He says, I hate this waiting. Why can't we just get out of here? If we stay in the same place too long, they're going to find us. James like, don't worry. We sit and we wait. He's like, I can't. We can't just wait here. He's like, uh, and Jane says, what happened to your parents? So she's, uh, yeah, she has issues with her parents, obviously, (laughs) as we've seen in earlier issues. Totally. Apparently his parents were recruited by the cult when he was six months old. He was brought up by two doctors, occultists. The cult <laughs> killed them when I was 14. I've been on the run ever since. Then uh, suddenly a straight razor comes slicing through the wallpaper. And it slices into a door. And through the door come... Of all the agents of the cult, the little sisters of Our Lady of the Razor are probably the most dedicated to inflicting outrageous amounts of pain. They're drawn from the ranks of children who refuse to grow up. The cult spirits, the, spirits them away to Nurnheim, where they're subjected to secret disfigurements, which prolong childhood indefinitely. Very quickly, they realize that staying young is not, not all it's cracked up to be, but by that time, it's too late. So they basically look like nuns with uh, bandaged, bloody faces, shining red, red eyes, and long, straight razors. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they start wanting to share their agony. <laughs> he's like razors they'll cut us to bits and off panel we see a word balloon from Jane says razors razors and we pull back and there's Jane in black full black anise form saying do they think I'm afraid of razors <laughs> she's gonna go all Wolverine on him alright cut back to Kipling and Rebus fighting the pale policeman He's saying, oh, annoy, accept, use. Uh, something about, I think there's something about you cannot escape. It's funny how after you look at anagrams for a little while, eventually you start to kind of... Yeah. You can start to kind of read them. Why? Now, Suri area. I don't know what that is. And... Uh, <laughs> Kipling's trying to convince Rebus that it's him that it's uh, Rebus that he wants. <laughs> so do the decent thing. Give yourself up to him. Tell him I'm completely innocent. <laughs> so Rebus flies away. He's like, where are you going? You can't just leave me here with... King Lip. <laughs> Emu. We wail deviant for toy ego. Low. Something about, probably something about we have been waiting for you a long time. Waiting for this a long time or something. 
please, I'm not really involved with these people. They, they led me astray. I, I have asthma. I'm on medication. <laughs> My dear mother's in an iron lung. I'm her only link to human society. Have pity. <laughs> He's still got tears in his eyes. He's got hands in his face. Look behind you. And then Pale Placing turns around and goes, this. Which I assume is an anagram for something. <laughs> and it's funny because now, now, that, now that I notice it, uh, all of the Pale Policeman's words come out of the giant mouth on his chest. Oh, very cool. The work of this point right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when the negative energy being comes out and zorches him. <laughs> He's down with the count. Excellent. And Kipling says, Wow, you bloody took your time, you bastard. <laughs> Kipling, you're a shameless coward and I just saved your life. So, what do you want, a kiss? <laughs> so pick up the postcards, will you? It's time we were moving on. What a dick. Totally. Cut back to Sagrada Familia. Cliff is in there looking for Cuervo. So, are you in here? I said, yeah. He sees him, he's on the altar. The wound is spread from uh, palm down to, oh, it's almost to his elbow now. Light shining through it. And Cuervo saying, help me. Cut back to the hotel room. Uh, Black Annis is uh, tearing apart the little sisters of the Lady of the Razor. <laughs> but while she's busy doing that, the creepers come in. There's the yellow dudes that are outside the window just going, creep. Creeping, creep, creep. <laughs> they break in the window and they grab, they grab the word and spear them off. While uh, Ennis is busy, you know, wreaking havoc, and she turns back to Jane and realizes that he's gone. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> they they shove him in a potato sack and <laughs> start to burn him off. Uh, cut back to Emilio. He says, Emilio, I'm here to help you. Don't. Coming out of me, out of me, dozens of them. I can't. Oh, help me. I can't control it. I can't control it. And he suddenly turned completely into wound. So Cliff does the only sensible thing and jumps in. <laughs> All righty. So now he is in somewhere in Nurnheim. There's lots of clockwork stuff and rust and like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cut back to the hotel. Kipling is, of course, berating Crazy Jane for letting the uh, cult agents grab the book. Do you know what this means? The cult will have read in by now. They'll have summoned the Unmaker. This is only the end of the bloody universe we're talking about now. <laughs> and uh, Cliff's looking around. He goes outside. He sees snow. He's like, I know this place. My God, I know this place. Uh... Kipling is busy yelling at Jane. Uh, Rita says, something's coming. No more stars in the sky. Kipling hands her a dictionary and says, check this dictionary and see why you're apologizing. I guess words are starting to drop out of the dictionary. <laughs> the Unmaker is coming and decreating them all. And the scene with Cliff pulls back and there's a big thump. And we realize that Cliff is inside the snow globe we saw at the beginning of this story. It's like the last issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The snow globe that was left by Crazy Jane for Cliff when he was comatose. Very cool. Yeah. 
the chief is picking up some strange readings, unusual electromagnetic activity. It seems to be happening all over the world. Cut back to the hotel. Uh, James says, what's that noise? It's like glass breaking in the sky. Really says, not glass, time and space, the frontiers of the real. Josh thinks he heard something, but he's not sure. He puts the globe down and goes to help the chief. And uh, Kipling says, what's happening? That's what's happening. And then we turn the page to a full-page spread of a giant bloodshot eyeball <laughs> coordinating with energy, the sky breaking into shards like glass. He says, the decreator is happening. Chicken Little is right. <laughs> Great panel. That's Great oh, that sounds cool. And, and that's next. Yeah. The show. All right. See, that's totally Doom Patrol. That's like a big giant eye in the sky. You oh, can yeah, totally see. Yeah. They, were, they were big into that in the sixties, and they're still making <laughs> it now. It's good. Totally excellent. There are people who think that you know the Morrison version is too far away from what what uh, Arnold Drake and Primiani were doing back in the sixties, but. There are threads, you know, there's there's threads that go through the strangeness and the, the sort of outlandish look of the villains, and it's just sort of, it's taken to the next logical extreme. Totally. Well, even the fact, like, Morrison has these guys going to, like, Europe, and he's got, you know, like, there's the stories are based yeah, the world worldwide, traveling. which is something Drake did, too. Like, in the beginning, yeah. they were always bopping around the world, and... Visiting Paris and bad guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. desert jungles, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool, very cool. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Alrighty. A little letters page. Hey, there's a uh, a letter from Jay Torres. Oh, cool. Who I believe has been doing some has done some work for DC in the last few years. He he does a lot of. Uh, the children's line stuff. I yeah, think. yeah. I think he did stuff on uh, what was before Tiny Titans, Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. He's got a long letter too. He did uh, almost three, um, well, two whole columns. Anyway, cool. Yeah, I've got some. I I know I've got some of his Teen Titans Go stuff, and some of his stuff from Oni. He did like little mini graphic novels and stuff that were yeah, yeah, that were very cool. Canadian as well. There you go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. His... This time he's ready from Montreal, Quebec. I don't know if he still lives there or not, but hmm. there you go. Yes. If you have not read any Jay Torres, seek him out. He's got good stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Alrighty. What it. Alrighty, so if you would like to leave us a comment, you can send us an email. We have our email address at doompodtroll at gmail.com. We tried to check it. We forgot a lot. We did. I checked it today. Empty. (laughs) Or you can go to the the website, which is also doompodtroll.com. And today we have a comment from Wildcard who says... Uh, in regards to the last episode, listening to the podcast, I realized that I missed issue five. Get yourself out there, big guy. It was very interesting, in a good way, listening to you guys, describing the story, having not yet read it. I like the new origin for Robot Man's body. I wonder if issue six will reveal that the chief is the one who invented the actual nanobots. 
Hopefully, we will see more of the new Robot Man after the miniseries finishes. Given how Robot Man was changed, what do you think will be done differently for Negative Man and Elastigirl in the DC New You? That's hard to say. Although, uh, I think that they could more or less stick with sort of the last version of them, the, the Giffen style. Yeah, he kind of updated them. A bit, yeah, and I think you could just sort of alter that a bit just to say that that's how they were all along instead of the whole strange gases and crocodile fighting and all that nonsense <laughs> that went on with uh, Rita's origin back in the day. Totally, totally. I think totally. it's very likely that the chief um, invented the nanobots or at least had a hand in it because nanobots, as we'll see later on in the Doom Patrol and the Morrison run, he was heavily into nanobots. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's his, his thing, you know. Yeah, I think we will see the chief. Even if they don't come out and say the chief is there, I think. Well, they got that red. There is a yeah, red haired guy. They got in the that red haired guy. So, so. Yeah, I think they're definitely leaving open that the chief will be there. Yeah, I think it would be. A, I think it would be a shame not to have him be. A, you know, at least mostly involved. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether they give the series like a a, a definite conclusion or whether they leave it kind of open-ended as if it could be that robot man will go off and have some more adventures somewhere or yeah or uh i suspect i hope so because i am i am really liking it yeah i think it's cool i think it's very good so i'd like to see him pop up somewhere uh yeah negative man wouldn't be hard to uh to update like i mean he's always not really test it's easy just yeah yeah rita is the one that that's a little trickier because she's not outwardly freaky. But then Giffen had a great take on her. Like she was, she was interiorly freaky. She was, yeah. <laughs> she had the freakiness on the inside. And uh, even the even the Mark Wade braving the bold issue was kind of cool in that she was constantly smiling and cheery and, and uh, yeah, attempting to be normal. Yeah, <laughs> freakishly so. Like either of those things would work. It'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they pop up, because I'm sure we will see them eventually. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might be interesting if uh, she's sort of like Cliff, in that she has the nanobots and stuff in her, but instead of being robotic, she's organic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Organic bits. Yeah, that would make sense. That would kind of be a, that would totally be updating her from uh, volcanic strange gases. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then you could still have that sort of chief connection if, he's, if, he, if he indeed is in charge of the nanobots. Oh, yeah. Like, she could be, like, some sort of actress who is, you know, instead of going for the lip Botox stuff, she's just going for some sort of <laughs> some organic nanobot facelift and gets <laughs> a little more than she bargained for. That totally works, too. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Well, we will have to see. Fingers crossed. We won't have to wait long. Yes. Thank you for your letter, for your comment. Cool. Alrighty, we will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.